Hello, I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best and the Rest. Every week, we pick one topic from hangover cures to horror movies and tell you what's the absolute apex, the best possible thing in that world. Not super complicated. Today, our topic, what's the best Pixar movie ever? Today, I've got Esther Zuckerman, our senior entertainment writer, and Emma Stefanski, also an entertainment writer. <laughs> yep. How are you guys doing today? Hey, well. We're doing good. Doing we're great. excited. Yeah. We like Pixar. Love Pixar. And these are my colleagues. We work together. We, we do. do. For we, years. Wow, jinx. Yeah. <laughs> we see each other getting water. That's right. In the kitchen. <laughs> Around the actual water cooler. There's, yeah. there's actual water cooler talk sometimes. But it also has sparkling water. When was the last time you guys watched a Pixar movie? Uh, this morning when I was watching scenes from Incredibles 2 to like have a good time and refresh my memory. <laughs> Not for this podcast, but just to have a good just time. Just to like have fun. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, some good downtime with a good movie. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, technically it was in prep for this podcast. Technically, um, yes. But the last Pixar movie that I saw was Toy Story 4. Of course. At a screening. Forky is my boy. Forky, Forky, is, my, Forky is my hero. We love a trash king. You stand a trash king? Or? We stand a trash okay. king. I'm, I'm so sure. sorry. I'm so sorry. We, we stand a trash king. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> so I want to run down something with you. The first Pixar movie was Toy Story, November of 1995. I want to run through the first 11 films they did really quickly. Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wally, Up, Toy Story 3, that's a Beatles-esque run of yeah. things. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what partially contributed to the legacy that Pixar now has. I mean, it is what contributed to the legacy that Pixar now has of being sort of this infallible cultural force um, that even though they're not all perfect and as Pixar has sort of grown and evolved and changed with sort of changing corporate structures, they've made a couple of more missteps down the line. That initial run was huge. Uh, amazing. And, you know, to follow that up, over the last eight years, they've released 10 films, so there's more of them. But if the first run is Beatles-esque, this is more like Ringo Starr's solo career. A couple uh, of hits. I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I'd say it's more McCartney with like, you know, some wing stuff thrown in. It's pretty solid. <laughs> don't like, sleep on wings. Okay. Yeah, wings sure. is fine. <laughs> I don't know enough about the Beatles to um, be in this conversation. <laughs> so, but here, here, here are the last eight years, the last 11 films, um, starting with <laughs> Cars 2 in June of 2011, Brave, Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4 in June of 2019 this year. There's some disparity there. Yeah, they're trying, taking a lot of risks and trying some new stuff. And uh, sometimes it didn't really work. Trying some old stuff too, though. There are a lot of sequels, potentially unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. I think when Pixar sort of at, started adding more sequels to movies that weren't Toy Story, which sort of proved right off of the gate that it was a continuing storyline that had a lot of material in there. They made some missteps. It was seen as a more, um, it was it was seen as like sort of stooping below their level, I think, sort of in the entertainment industry. But Pixar was revered for these original ideas. And when they sort of started doing a Monsters University, a Finding Dory, they were like, oh, well, they're just sort of cashing in on material that's already there. It's a I lot mean, like Disney proper doing these like live action remakes of movies and making them kind of nearly exactly the same. Yeah. Just like, oh, you guys don't have any new ideas anymore, I guess. Is that what it's about? Is it just no new ideas? Is it is it just easier? I think it's money. I mean, yeah, the IP is there. <laughs> it's it's money. It's selling 
toys, but all of those properties are very easy to sell toys from. But I mean, I think if you look at the future, there are original ideas and I think they have bounced back with stuff like Coco, which is yeah. pretty underrated, I think, mm. and like quite wonderful. But yeah, there are no new ideas. Everyone's trying to reboot everything. Everything sucks. It's <laughs> 2019, baby. Yeah, everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the name of this podcast. And they were like, no, we can't do that. Coming down the line, what, what ideas are in the pipeline you talked about? I actually don't uh, no. They've been at this year's D23, which is the big Disney conference that happens every year. They promote two films. One, which was Onward. The one that's arguably more exciting is Soul, mm -hmm. which is about a jazz musician. It stars Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. It sort of seems to be getting into ideas about like the nature of the soul and music. And it seems very much along the inside out trajectory of Pixar getting into existential questions, which I right. think is one of the reasons that people have always come to like Pixar is because mm -hmm. it's ostensibly kids' movies when they're at their peak get into very deep themes, are very philosophical, are very sort of Proustian, like... I rarely feel like I'm being talked down to when yeah. I'm watching a Pixar movie. And, you know, there's some of the only, like, kids' movies that are also, like, kind of for adults, too. Like Yeah, most definitely, yeah. yeah. They're made to be enjoyed by, you know, no matter who you are. Yeah, and that's not the case. You know, I have very young cousins, they're two, three years old, uh, watching Frozen with them. First time I saw it, it was like, oh, this I is a kid's movie. I highly disagree. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's, it's a Broadway musical. It's great. Like, it's, okay. it's <laughs> different. No, pot. it is. It is. It is like, that is, that is the sort of Disney, I mean, Olaf notwithstanding, who sucks, but like <laughs> the best parts of Frozen are just the classic Disney musical, which is an art form unto itself. That's Truth. maybe a little bit more kid-like, but it's also more theatrical. And that's why it's good. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Pixar theory that all of the movies oh, are yeah. interconnected. How stupid is that? Very stupid. <laughs> it's just animators having fun. I don't think it means anything. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has sort of poisoned people's brains a little bit in the sense that like everything has to be a shared universe instead of just, as Emma said, people having fun. Mm. And I think like it's kind of funny, like for me, I'll, sometimes I'll like go online and refresh my memory of what people think, what kind of apocalyptic scenario like Cars is in, according to this weird theory. There's like a timeline. I and know. Then at some point, like humans disappear and then yes. the machines take over and then you get Wally. And then maybe a bug's life is like in the far future. Yeah, I think it's like to in the Toy Story where inanimate objects gain sentience and yeah. somehow that escalates. I think Brave was in the past. There was something about people dying and their souls being uh, taken on in car form. The cars take on <laughs> yeah. the soul of whoever well, drove them last. to be fair, the actual animators of cars um, did a quote to the creative director for the Cars universe. Told, the Cars universe? Yeah. <laughs> okay, told, is that what we're calling it? This is according to Screen Crush writer <laughs> Matt Singer, who is a great writer-reporter and friend, who asked this man about how cars came to be. And he said, and I quote, if you think about this, we have autonomous car technology coming in right now. It's getting to the point where you can sit back in the car and it drives itself. Imagine in the near future when the cars keep getting smarter and smarter. And after one day, they just go, why do we need human beings anymore? <laughs> They're just slowing us down. It's just extra rate. Let's get rid of them. But the car takes on the personality of the last person who drove it. Whoa. 
There you go. So like cars killed their human drivers and <laughs> then their cars. And that's like honestly pretty awesome. That's uh, terrible. <laughs> fair, I don't know. I think awesome. it's great. I think it's cool. So just a little bit touching on y- you guys. I know you you do rankings on films and uh, it's you, very hard. It is hard. You put them in you put them in these lists. Uh, I have done plenty of ranking in my day. Uh, not so much on the entertainment side. How do you start and go about the process of taking, what, 20, 20 plus Pixar movies and figuring out what is the best? However we feel that morning. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of how the list goes. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think, Emma, you had like a good strategy, which is you breaking them up into. Yeah, it's like the ones that I don't really like, the ones that are pretty good. And then the ones that are like, oh, my gosh, any one of these could be number one. And then I guess just sort of. I think also just in generally in terms of picking number ones, there are a lot of factors that. I sort of tend to think about when we're discussing one is sort of like legacy. Mm. How does this hold up? Do I love this? Do I dislike? Do I dislike this? And then it's also and then artistry. When you're sort of like deeming something number one, you sort of have to take into account like how it continues to play with audiences and does it have technical value and does it have like story emotional value? It's tricky to like pick a number one based on like, is it the best versus like, is it my favorite? Because sometimes like my taste doesn't really line up. I can, I get in trouble sometimes that. No, that's a really good point. I come across that all the time. Like, is there a difference between your personal favorite and Mm. the best? Because as a writer and an expert, you're supposed to have a respectable, good opinion. So is if your favorite is something, shouldn't it also be the best? You have to look at it in a vacuum. There's no shame in any, in anyone's personal taste. Um, well, I mean, I guess. No, I mean, I genuinely, no, <laughs> I genuinely do believe that. Like, I mean, unless anyone can cook. Yeah, uh, I guess I, I No, I mean, I think anyone can cook is an interesting. I love Ratatouille and I love it for this reason. And I do think unless you are going hard for something that is genuinely offensive, um, I don't think the best Pixar. Movie. <laughs> yeah, Joker is the best Pixar movie. Sometimes what we think about when we rank things that I've noticed um, working here is like, you don't really necessarily want to have num- like your number one being like everyone's number one because it's yes. just freaking boring. Yeah. Like I don't want to read the same Pixar list 20 times. It's also, especially I feel like with films and music and also food too, it's like where you first experienced it, where where you literally were, what place in your life, that really factors in. When I was thinking about this podcast, actually, I like kind of vividly remember where I was the first time I watched a lot of these movies. Because I think I I watched a lot of them when I was young and that's sort of like when memories imprint Mm -hmm. into your head. But I have like vivid memories of like the feeling that I felt after the movie was done and like whatever I was doing after that. 100%. really important to me. It is. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And on that, I think, you know, people our age, we grew up with these movies. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any memories of Pixar that really stand out? I remember going to see The Incredibles for a birthday party and getting in trouble with the mom who was there for <laughs> running around the parking lot afterwards. Because you were just so hyped. I was so hyper. I was like, I wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to like test if I had any superpowers. I came to this realization when I actually, I went to a press screening of Toy Story 4 and I sort of sat back and realized I had seen three of the four Toy Stories in the exact same movie theater. The first time I went, the first time was in Toy Story 2 when like my grandparents took me to see them. Uh, The second time was Toy Story 3 with a friend uh, sort of in the middle of college, um, which aligned with Andy's story. And the fourth time sort of as, you know, as Forky discovers his 
purpose in life <laughs> as a film critic at, you know, with a job thinking about that. I don't know. It was just like a very damn time, you know, man. You and Whoa. Forky self-actualizing at the same time. Also, I'm trash. <laughs> so no, don't say that. I identify with Forky. Um, no, it is trash. true. I mean, we are, I, I think we're relatively the same age. We are pretty much Andy's age. Yeah. And we always have been. An interesting thing to note about Pixar, just if we're going over the history, is that Pixar has always been associated with Disney in our lifetime, but Disney didn't always own Pixar. They distributed the first movies as part of a distribution deal. And then eventually owned it in, I believe, starting in 2006. So that's sort of just in that initial run was not sort of produced within the watchful eye of Disney. And actually Pixar sort of came to power as Walt Disney Animation Studios was flailing a little bit post Disney Renaissance and hand-drawn animated musicals getting into CGI. They made some real stinkers. Another sort of important thing to note is that Pixar holds this sort of really respected place in a lot of the hearts of millennials and their movies mean a lot to people. They are not a perfect company. For years, they were a cult of personality under John Lasseter, who did create the Toy Story movies, but who also stepped aside in 2017 um, after it was revealed that he did some inappropriate touching and he stepped aside for missteps. He's actually been rehired by Skydance, a different animation studio, but that is neither here nor there. And over the years, there have been some, um, when that came to light, other other stories came to light about how female animators had felt very subjugated at the company, that it was very this sort of boys club, which actually happens a lot in animation. Sort of in notable instances, Brenda Chapman, who was director of Brave, which was very much her story being pushed aside. So it's just important to note that Pixar is not perfect. It's still a company and it's still run by fallible people. So most definitely that it actually it became I, I watched all these movies leading up to this um, and I watched a lot with my girlfriend. It became a running joke that like the credits were all like Andrew, John, no, yeah. Brad, <laughs> James. Yeah. And, and that that's like the first yeah. few pages of credits at every single movie. Yeah. Are they getting better on that front? Yes. Uh, Domi Shi, who directed Bao, who I interviewed for Thrillist, is the first female director of a Pixar short ever, which is Mind-boggling. Which is mind-boggling. Yeah, it really uh, is. So many years into the company. So, yeah, there's progress, but it's not, like, much. <laughs> totally. It bears mentioning, in true thrillers fashion, we were drinking a little bit here uh, on our little podcast table. We have a nice French Pinot Noir in honor of Ratatouille, which I'm sure we will talk a lot yes. about. This one mine. That one's yours, oh yeah. God, Go for it. So. Cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Okay, act two, we're going to move on to some categories. Before we get to the best, we got to talk about the rest. First off, we have to cover the worst Pixar movie of all time or movies. This is first the worst for me. Watching all of these got very recently. This is an easy decision. The entire Cars universe, as you would refer to them, are, I think, notably the worst. I think the Cars are pretty, pretty bad. They're pretty bad. They just don't really feel like Pixar movies in the same way, um, in the sense that they are sort of a little jokier. They do feel, as you said before, that they talk down a little bit. And also like as they've, you know, it's one of the reasons that that movie has two sequels is that Cars toys sell very well. I once stayed in an Airbnb that was Cars themed. <laughs> like the whole thing? I did not Why? know. I think it was like because they had a child who liked Cars, but there was Cars stuff everywhere. Kids love Cars. This is something I do feel very blessed because I've never seen a Cars no, movie. No, you're Carless. It's fine. You really don't have to. It's They're bad. 
they feel like they just should be included with a Happy Meal. And yeah. that's what they're meant for. <laughs> I will say the one thing I do appreciate about the car's uh, trifecta is that they made the eyes on the dashboard and not the headlights. And I appreciate that aesthetic decision. They've absorbed the soul. <laughs> yeah. You guys are the window to the oh yeah the dashboard is the window to the soul oh, no. of the cars universe. I don't like this. Okay, on that note, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, most underrated Pixar movie, our underrated category. We affectionately call it the Guy Fieri Award because he gets unfair flack. I I have a couple answers here. I think that Toy Story two is generally beloved. I feel like it doesn't you know, it kind of gets lost in the four movie shuffle. I think it's the best Toy Story, actually, which we could talk about later. My other thing is uh, The Good Dinosaur. It's just, it's it's not so much overrated as forgotten. It's not a great Pixar film. Um, it's very much geared towards kids, but people just don't, I, I actually did not even know it was a Pixar movie going into this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that had a very troubled production history. Um, one scene yeah, it was I've, delayed for many, many years. The one scene of that movie that I've seen is the part where they do drugs yeah <laughs> which i was not prepared for yeah. um i'd say that um i sort of disagree with you on toy story 2 because i think if you hit a lot of like and maybe this is sort of internet film twitter but if you hit a lot of film critics picks like toy story 2 is there is their sort of holy grail um, oh, good of the franchise, yeah. I would say I think an underrated and it's possibly just because it hasn't been out for that long, so it hasn't developed, but Coco, I think, is a really, really wonderful movie that will, I believe, over time, more affection will grow towards it. Mm. Yeah, and like this is sort of, it's tricky because like we sort of come from this critic circle of, you know, kind of people saying similar things <laughs> yeah. all the time. So like to f say that something is over or underrated is like hard. I also think Pixar movies tend of a lot of things that we talk about, you know, in terms of rankings, like Pixar movies just generally don't tend to be underrated. Mm -hmm. Like They're good. Uh, people, you... people have like large affection, you know, it's sort of like, it's sort of easy to pluck out the not as great ones. And like the rest are all pretty revered in one way or another. Mm -hmm. I feel like, <laughs> Uh, as far as like underrated goes, maybe it's just because it's been so long, but I feel like A Bug's Life, no one really talks about that anymore. Ooh, yeah, that's a good pick. And that's a great movie. Yeah. And it's one of those movies where you're just like, A Bug's Life. You're like, oh yeah, that's good. Forgot that's about that. Unfortunately, <laughs> it has cool. well, there, the there Kevin was... Spacey issue. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Um Sorry. No, that's, hey, it's worth, it's worth mentioning. That's a Dante's <laughs> Peak Volcano situation with... um Ants with a yeah. Z, Woody oh, Allen's yeah. <laughs> animated Yeah, vehicle. both of those are... Real winners. <laughs> they are. I was not allowed to see ants. My parents thought it was too mature for me. So kind of piggybacking off of that uh, Toy Story comment, we should break it out. Toy Story mini rank. For me, I think it goes two, one, three, and four. But I will say I do love them all. And I was very, very happy with four. At first, I thought it was an unnecessary yeah. sequel, but I loved it. Very I good. agree with you, but I think four goes over three. Really? Um, I also yeah. think this. You guys both think that. Yeah, I, I think four. three has three is obviously enormously devastating um, and really hard to watch. But I think four is incredibly playful and incredibly smart and incredibly deep in a way. I got to talk about my trash king. <laughs> as if you haven't talked about four. I know, I love, I, yeah. No, but I think that was seen as like, when Forky was introduced, people were like, oh, is this going to be sort of another a pandering character? I hated but it. Instead, but, it but instead, it turned out to be this like wonderful creation that believes himself to be, uh, who believes himself to be garbage and sort of 
needs to understand like meaning in life. And it feels very revolutionary. And I just think a lot of the, I think it's a really tight movie. I think it's really, I think it's really funny. Um, and I think it hits, hits in all the right places. And I do feel like Toy Story 3, while obviously great in so many ways, also turns maudlin in, a, like it, it pushes the sort of sentimentality to such an extreme degree. There is literally, if you talk to some people, Holocaust imagery in it um, of them. The incinerator? Yeah. So it's like, it, it it goes really far and I think it's a little overbearing at times. What do you think, Emma? I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of four. I think uh, also, I think I agree with Esther's two, one, four, three for Toy Story ranking. But I love four because I love Gabby Gabby, the evil yeah. doll. And I love her because she's so frightening. And then as soon as she like puts herself in the box for the little girl to like come pick her up and love her, she becomes so like tragic just immediately. And I like, I love that stuff. I love movies about like characters wanting something so badly and then getting it and realizing that it's meaningless. Like first man to me yeah. is Gabby Gabby in Toy Story 4. <laughs> <laughs> but a better version, perhaps. Yeah, but that's why I love it. And also it's interesting to sort of watch the Toy Story movies and I guess Pixar itself like evolve in a way because I feel like the first two were kind of about the toys loving their children and how like the children, you know, will love their toys and that's that's good. And then the second two are sort of about how it's important for people to move on from things. And I think like sort of subliminally convincing children that it's good to donate your toys to a charity if you need to. Right. And that to me is like, it's cool to sort of see Pixar grow up like with us. Yeah. Do you think that Toy Story 4 is the funniest Pixar movie? I think Monsters, Inc. is the funniest Pixar movie. Whoa. Okay. Monsters, Inc. is so funny. <laughs> the little musical that they do. Yeah, that's funny. That thing I, back where it came from more so helped me. <laughs> oh, you got it down. I, I, I actually do. I, I left the theater thinking that was the funniest Toy Story movie. And it was also one of the funnier yeah. movies I saw in a long time. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a really it's a really funny movie. The little um, the rabbit and the duck. The rabbit and the duck. So good. Keanu Reeves yes. Yes. as Duke Kaboom. <laughs> uh, what was the what was Keanu Reeves' kid's name? Rachel. <laughs> yeah, Rachel. <laughs> it was really cool to me to see in Toy Story 4 when I can't remember the characters' names, but the the little the two little fuzzy ones who were connected, the rabbit and the duck. Yeah. How whenever they had their like sort of fantasy of like attacking a human, yeah. right. how like immediately wrong that felt because we've been with this universe for so long and we know that like toys we're not supposed to see the toys move. Like yeah. humans yeah. cannot see that. And so then to, to like there was like this immediate like <gasps> in the theater when that happened. <laughs> and it's Key and Peel. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, I believe their names are Rabbit and Ducky. I could be wrong, no, but I, 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 I think it. it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> no, it's funny. So on the flip side, the most likely to make you sob uncontrollably on an airplane, the tearjerker, they're all tearjerkers. The obvious answer is the opening scene of Up, which is yeah. a whole thing in itself. For me, Coco. Yeah, Coco I think Coco. I was. We were talking about this sort of before we came into that and that when Mama Coco hears the song and sort of it, it's... If you've ever had a grandmother or an older relative who is going through any form of dementia and you see how like they respond to music, uh, that hits incredibly hard. Also, Bing Bong's death in, in in Inside Out is extremely brutal. I don't know. They all make you cry in different ways. I love the subtle cry. I love the cry that sort of creeps up on you. What do you think, Emma? I mean, as Esther said, the Bing Bong thing, but I think I feel like I can talk about that later. What did I? Oh, oh my God. I find myself crying kind of unexpectedly hard during Finding Nemo when Marlon leaves Dory and she's like forgetting everything. Mm. Oh that's yeah, that's so really sad. upsetting. <laughs> and it's so scary too. Yeah. Um, to just like watch someone watch their mind leave them is yeah. like, oh my God, it's like 
creepy for a a children's movie. No, it is. Um, And the way that they pull on heartstrings, so to speak, it's it's just, they're kind of taking advantage of our emotions. They do have a formula. They have revealed. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it is sort of like, there's a formula for like the main characters, how to make them likable, but also flawed. Mm-hmm. And then this sort of like, you know, kind of three or five act arc that they have to follow in order to reach their full emotional potential. It's really embarrassing to cry in an airplane <laughs> when you're watching Inside Out, you know? Um, no, it's not. You don't think so? Well, you you have a very like nice message where, you know, everyone can cook. No guilty pleasures. Everyone can cry. Everyone can yeah, cry. I cry all the fucking... Oh, sorry. <laughs> you can say fuck. Yeah, I cry all the... Goddamn time. <laughs> you can't say goddamn. <laughs> I cry all the fucking time. Um, no, I just cry all the time everywhere. Um, and I don't know. There's no shame in crying at movies. There's any not, movies. I mean, but like seeing Up, you know, I was in college, the Up, the Toy Story 3. You go see Up with a bunch of your friends, you know, a bunch of guys. We're all just crying. At, at that time, this the main- is, Masculinity is a poison. I know. Hold <laughs> like, on. At that time, the mainstream media didn't make it clear to us that we could cry. Sure, sure. Now, these are different times yeah, now. We were fault. still embarrassed and trying to hide it. Yeah, masculinity is a poison. <laughs> That's really what Pixar is going for. That's the formula. <laughs> That's why all their movies deconstruct men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best opening scene. Uh, Pixar movies usually start out strong. I actually really like Toy Story 4, the Bo Peep kind of removal, the rain, very dramatic. I love it. Also, uh, underrated uh, opening scene, Ratatouille. I feel like it's one of the best freeze frame. So this is me moments. Uh, And it it wasn't lame. It was actually really good. Uh, What do you guys think? Wally. Sorry. Wally. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think you answered my... (laughs) Sorry. I didn't mean to like... Wally, Wally is it for me. I mean, there are multiple reasons. First of all, I'm a musical theater nerd, so the strains of Hello, Dolly on your Sunday clothes. But also it is just like it starts with this image of the world consumed by garbage. The iconic image of looking out from space and seeing the earth is literally polluted. And then you come in and it's horrifying. It is one of the most upsetting landscapes, dystopian landscapes of like all of cinema. And that is incredible. Yeah. What to I'm, do in a, in a children's movie. What I'm finding out about you today, Esther, is that you love trash. <laughs> Honestly, I do. I'm trash. All of your choices have been trash themed. <laughs> yeah, are you a freegan? <laughs> no, okay. I, I just have low self-esteem. Uh, at what point in the beginning of Wally does the little cockroach come in? Because I love like, that part. Pre- very quickly. Okay. Really early. I do yeah. Love yeah, it's very early. It's like you... You zoom in and the sort of the music fades out a little bit and you get the image and you sort of you get the image of Wally scuttering along and you hear you see that he's listening to Hello Dolly himself. And then the little little cockroach comes up, <laughs> sort of starts talking to him and then Such a it's cute so little cute. Bug. Little bug. Bug girl, Emma. I love him. You're, That's why I got to stand a bug's life, you know. You're with Wally too with the opening scene? I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually haven't seen that, seen that movie in a really long time. Yeah. I think I saw it in a theater once and really liked it. And then everyone tried to cancel it. And I was like, oh boy. Okay. Never mind. Wait, why? Because they're like, there's this big sort of contingent of people who are like, the movie sort of makes fun of fat people, which. Yeah, I guess it does. I I don't, you know. It's bone loss more than obesity yeah, true. in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's okay. Um, yeah, I, I would thought maybe just because they're gendering robots. I think they're and fine. The, you think the they're smooth, fine soft one is the woman and the blocky, masculine one is Who's the man. Who's to say that, though? Eve could be a boy. Eve Wally could be a could boy. Be a girl. Yeah. Mm. Wally has feminine energy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also love the beginning of Incredibles, too, because it goes right back to... 
Incredibles one. Yeah. That, Good like, point. Where it ends. That's fun. And we got to mention up like, sorry, but it's the it's up opening is fucking killer. It's, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's some of the best filmmaking ever. Um, it's so, I mean, so is Wally. Those two are great. I mean, Wally, the whole thing, it's like a Fisher Price 2001 Space Odyssey. It really, I mean, it's just like, uh, when does the opening scene even end though, really? Yeah, was my question for beautiful. you. I Crash think it case. slightly ends when he goes back into his container and then he, you sort of see it, but... Yeah, I mean, the whole opening is a silent film. Yeah. Um, also, perhaps the only, uh, it features actual people, you know, on the screen. Yeah. The musical. Is it the, I don't, I did not catch any other quote unquote real people in any other Pixar movies. It is an interesting choice because they feature real people, not just in Hello, Dolly, but also Fred Willard's sort of advertisement for getting on these ships. The people look like actual humans. And then when they've lost their bone density because they haven't been walking around they sort of turn into the cartoonish versions yeah that's kind of a way to explain away the uh, fat shaming yeah <laughs> the moment or overall movie most likely to scar your childhood this is affectionately called the bambi's dead mom award bing bong bing bong yeah it's bing bong if i i saw that movie as an adult inside what, out. you're talking about inside out yeah yeah but if i had seen that as a child i would have been inconsolable for months yeah like that him just sort of like, it's really troubling to watch a very nice looking character tumble into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> Generally true. Yeah. Um, and that just like, it was horrifying. I wasn't expecting that to happen until like, you know, that sort of becomes inevitable. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> you know, it's coming. Uh, yeah. You're on the same page, Esther? Yeah, I mean, Big Bong's death, again, I saw that as an adult, but um, because Pixar movies, I think, generally don't really feel scarring in the same way yeah. some of the Disney Studios animated classics feel. You know, there's no Bambi's mom. There's no Mufasa dying sequence. It's People don't really die in Pixar he, movies. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I think Bing Bong is one that if I were a kid when I saw that, I would be really upset. I'd also probably have been upset by Coco because just because like the idea of skeletons generally would have freaked me out. But <laughs> I was a very skittish child. So, <laughs> yeah, um, you also have, again, that opening scene of up. It, it raises a lot of questions. There's mm. there's pregnancy stuff. There's yeah. heart attacks on the hill. Um, I feel like as a kid, I probably wouldn't that might have not like impacted me as much. Yeah. Like I would have understood that it was very sad, but I probably wouldn't have. I'm like, OK, well, I guess she's. Yeah, dead. it raises questions. <laughs> it does. Yeah, you got it. You got to ask. You yeah. Gotta ask yeah. Like, hmm. hmm, what's a miscarriage? There were a lot of interesting conversations yeah. heading out of that theater. I yeah. feel like also Ratatouille. Lots of gun violence in the first hour. You have you have the old French lady, you know, shooting their ass. Oh my God. And then you also have the couple fighting that they see also yeah. over a gun. A uh, hypothetical question. Movie that would be best as a mid-90s kind of golden age animated musical. Obvious answer. Probably a Nemo or a Ratatouille just because they involve animals. Bugs Life. What would be the most interesting? Monsters, Inc. Wow. Okay. I want a Monsters, Inc. musical. That could be fun. That'd be so cool. Um, you could do the musical that's in... The credits of the movie stretch it out yeah i like that um toy story 2 is would be a thing because it basically does have a musical sequence in it um which is she loves me the the randy newman song sung by sarah mclaughlin um that is absolutely brutal but so um but that is like a musical sequence just shoehorned in there also coco obviously because yeah. it's one of the few pixar films that actually counts as a musical um i would love to see coco on broadway honestly yeah That'd be really um, cool. And the songs are really good. Yeah, the uh, songs Bobby are catchy, and, just really great. Well, that's Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, um, who also wrote Frozen. Amazing. Uh, flip side of that, movie that would make the most sense as a live action reboot. 
Incredibles, obvious answer, yeah, I think. Probably. But Brave is my is my choice. Ooh, um, good. Yeah. A live Brave would be so cool. Yeah, a live Brave would be really cool. Um, and if they just did a little bit of work on the story, which is sort of like Brave is one of those ones where it's like it feels like it's almost there, but not quite. Like it's got some of the beats, it just feels a little thin. Um, but yeah, you work on that live Brave. Because they're like, Great. we're not going to be a Disney princess movie. We're going to do something right. different. And yes. I think that sort of like really, they try to hammer that home really hard and it just gets kind of tired. I hadn't seen Brave in a while. I was watching it before this podcast. And I was actually thinking that as I was watching it, I was like, you know, Moana, which is a, not a Pixar movie, but a Disney Studios movie, which is great. Sort of like did what Brave was trying to do better mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways, just in terms of like, it's a princess, but she's not really a princess and she's sort of finding her destiny and, but like also sort of finding her connection to her family and her home and her homeland. Um, There's no like love interest. Yeah. No wasting time with that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love Moana. I've actually seen that one. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of the recent Disney things. Uh, who would play if they made a live action Brave? Uh, Marita. Anya Taylor-Joy. She's Scottish. She can do a Scottish accent. She can do a Scottish accent. I mean, she's, she's, she rocks. She's there. Who is she that? Rocks. Anya Taylor-Joy. She's Joy. from The Witch. The Vavitch. Oh, right. The oh, The Vavitch. <laughs> um, yeah, she's amazing. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Most overrated Pixar movie. This is I, such an impossible question. <laughs> I, it is a hard one. I, I have an answer. Um, And I came to this conclusion while rewatching all of these. Uh, Up. Yeah. I, you know, the first 35 minutes... From the opening, from the opening credits to the the point where they land at uh, Paradise Falls, mm. beautiful, amazing, awesome. It really loses steam, and it becomes just like a like a formulaic slog. I I just really kind of lost interest, and it, it's kind of a shame because I think everyone remembers that first thirty five minutes more than anything else. Obviously, the opening sequence and the balloon launch <laughs> and meeting Russell. But after that, I mean, it just, it kind of falls apart. I genuinely don't actually remember what happens after that. Isn't there like an evil man in a weird Yeah, it's ship? Christopher Plummer. And talking dogs, and which the, is a funny bit, I, I like, liked, I like Doug. Um, I, Doug. Squirrel. I remember yeah. Kevin. Squirrel. Kevin the big bird. Kevin the big bird. Yeah, He's a girl. Yeah. Oh, right. I remember that. Yeah. But um, I don't remember anything else. Yeah, I don't, I, I that was going to be my answer. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's great, but I, I I also think like kind of just leading up to this, just asking people, what's your favorite Pixar movie? A lot of people say Up, and that's kind of just why I think it's overrated. Really? Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Uh, normies, as I would call okay, them. Okay, yeah, those people, people that aren't in your circles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? There's no like Pixar movie that everyone says is good that's actually bad. Yeah, mm -hmm. the bad ones you know are sort that's sort of the consensus. Right. Like, no one really loves those movies unless someone really loves Brave. Like whatever. But that's not even a terrible, I don't know. It's not terrible. Yeah, Brave is not bad. It, it got so much hype leading up to the release. I remember well, that. I think that it had a lot of pressure on it, which mm -hmm. a lot of first with women have a lot of pressure on them. Um, I, feel like I, also I, think, I also think Brave got like a little bit, its rep has fallen partially because it won the Oscar that year and it's one of its main competitors, which I think a lot of people assumed was going to win was Wreck-It Ralph, which is a Disney Animation Studios release that was sort of seen as a return to form that for them is a really is, is sort of a really ingenious little movie. And so the fact that the fact that Brave One was sort of like, okay, like Pixar's not even trying and they're winning, you right. know? Yeah. Um, but it's really not as bad as everyone sort of thinks it is. I kind of want to watch it now just to see like now that I sort of know what it is, like yeah. would it hit me, would it rub me wrong in the same way that it did when I saw it? You know, Do the accent ago. again. If you had the chance to change your fate, 
Would you? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was amazing. That's what she says in the trailer. It's yeah. the only line I know. I remember that. Movie. So what, which movie do you think most deserves a prequel? What would, what would make the most interesting prequel? <gasps> oh, I have an answer. Okay. Uh, I I'm want, bringing this on, I on want you, by the way. I a prequel about the circus bugs from A Bug's Life. Ooh. That would be so good. Truly a bug girl, huh? I love that movie. Yeah. It's just so cool. They're, and they're bugs so, in general. They're animated in <laughs> such a fun way. All of the voice acting is so good. Uh, I think about the fat caterpillar all the time. <laughs> all the time? All the time, man. <laughs> Incredibles could be fun to show like them at the height of their powers. Oh, that would be awesome. Running around. I would love that. Ratatouille, just them being rats. <laughs> doing normal rats. <laughs> Maybe inside out to see how what the emotions were like as like a two-year-old. Outside in. baby. Outside in. <laughs> Perfect. It's right there. We deserve credit. The Trey Anastasia Award for being better while stoned. Which Pixar movie is best to watch under the influence? Mine is Wally. I think it enhances it a little bit. Um, maybe it's because I was stoned when I first watched it. You can't separate those feelings. I feel like, like my initial answer to this now I feel like would be terrifying. I was about to say inside out. No. I feel like I would That's, lose my mind. You don't want to get inside <laughs> yeah. of your head. <laughs> you that yeah, You don't want to do that. <laughs> Um, the mine is like intentionally terrifying. You watch cars and you read, oh, you no. think about, you Ooh. think about the souls trapped in the cars. <laughs> Hell yeah. Do it. <laughs> We're going to get to our picks for the best Pixar movie of all time right after this break. Best Pixar movie of all time. Toy Story 2 is my runner up. In my humble opinion, the best Pixar movie is Ratatouille. And I will tell you why. At the top of the show, we talked about when you watch things, they hit you differently. I was studying abroad. This whole thing's going to sound like an elite daily article. I was studying abroad in France <laughs> oh, and wow. it was a very transformative time for me. And I, I do remember watching it and being um, a little distant from the Pixar movies leading up to that. I remember watching it, just loving it. I, much like Linguini, was all teeth and elbows, gawky. Um, I really associate it with my time studying abroad and my love of France. And I, I do think it's not just one of my favorite Pixar films. It's one of my favorite films, period. Um, it's such a weird concept. And the way they do it, I just think is so perfect. Like when, when Linguini walks in to work with Remy in his hat and he just has this moment where he's like, God, this is so stupid and weird, <laughs> but let's just do it. That's kind of like the whole vibe of the movie. Um, Chef, Chef Gusteau being like, I am just a figment of your imagination. I get that. <laughs> like all of those are just so perfect. The action in it is a Brad Bird movie. It works as an action film. Also just a great Paris movie. Top five, top mm. seven. Like the sprawl of Paris when you first see it, like the mist by the scene is just great. Um, also, I would say it's the best food movie of all time. I just love it. I think it's a very perfect film. I don't know what I would change. And I, it would be even, even despite all the associations I have with Ratatouille, Watching them over, watching in a vacuum, I think it's just, uh, it's the perfect Pixar movie and I just love it. I tend to agree with a lot of that. I mean, Ratatouille would probably be my runner up. For me, it's gorgeous. It's Paris. I guess the things that maybe make it number two for me is that some of the stuff in the middle doesn't hit me quite in the same way. The romance to me feels sort of like silly, but I think it's wonderful. For me, my number one, I think Wally just is such an ambitious thing to do. Such a bold, creative idea. It's so 
upsetting in so many ways. If we're talking about like legacy, it's like more relevant than ever when we talk about the ways that we're treating the earth, but also incredibly hopeful as you would expect a Pixar movie to be. I think it's sort of this wonderful mix of silent artistry and kitsch in a way um, that just really works for me. So, yeah. I think if we all were like voting, I feel like Ratatouille would win as number one, Mm -hmm. even though it is also my number two. (laughs) But I also feel like my number one and number two are kind of interchangeable for me. Like it's like, you know, whenever I watch them, I'm I'm like, you know, well, this one is the best, obviously, like right afterwards. I love it. Like, you know, I love it for all the reasons that you guys love it. It's beautiful. The food is amazing. Yeah. It looks delicious. It I does. Eat the ratatouille. It's the only ratatouille I've ever wanted to eat. <laughs> yeah, I think the the message is also quite beautiful. And uh, this actually sort of goes into my number one, which if you've you know been listening to me talk, it's The Incredibles. I love that movie so much. It like hit me at exactly the right time in my childhood where I like was sort of my interests were changing. I was you know, becoming more into like different kinds of movies. Like I was more of like a blockbuster movie kind of person than a kid's movie. And that was like just the right transition for me. I vividly remember going to see it for the first time. I got the DVD as a birthday present probably. um, And I watched the bonus features so many times. Like the thing that they talk about, about like the animating the hair and the water was like so complicated for them. And then like to see them do it again in the sequel is just like so fun because they're, you know, pros at it by now. But I think, like, I guess the reason that Ratatouille and The Incredibles are sort of interchangeable for me is that they're both kind of, they both sort of have the same message, which is, like, kind of like a very individual, like, learning to love yourself and yeah. learning to be confident in yourself, which is, like, something that I have trouble with, you know, that I've had trouble with all my all my life. So to see that in a movie like like those two movies is just very, it hits me real good. <laughs> Right. And that's why I like that. That's great. I mean, those outside of the Toy Story, uh, whatever. Yeah. uh, Those are those are three really strong movies. Yeah. And kind of emblematic of what Pixar does the best, I think. And I think what's so interesting about them, too, is the aesthetics that they play around with in all of them, like mid-century modern aesthetic of The Incredibles is wonderful. Like every house is incredible and sort of so evocative of a certain era. I think Wally does sci-fi in a way that I've never seen before and the, you know, dystopian landscape of Earth when we've ruined it. Uh, and the design for the robots is so evocative. Ratatouille does the sort of does that sort of like let's emulate real life in this fantastical way. The street scenes of Paris are so beautiful. Um so I think it's it shows really you know, the artistry of what these movies can do, all three of them in very different ways. They're right. all very like feel good movies too, where some, you know, Disney, Disney adjacent movies are very sort of like predicated on the scenes that'll make you cry. Mm-hmm. Like these movies are all sort of like, we want you to feel nice while watching these movies. We want yeah. you to love what they look like and to love what they're telling you. And um, they all have happy endings as well, which yeah. I, I think maybe for one last kind of category, which... Pixar movie has the happiest ending. Finding Nemo? Finding Nemo's good. It's yeah. Really good. Ratatouille is just, that ending is just so pleasant. It is. It yeah. really, it's just so. I don't know. I guess I don't think of things in the way of like happy endings. Right. Well, you're a trash person. So. I'm a trash person. <laughs> yeah. All, all routes lead to the trash. I mean, actually. Throw me out. <laughs> speaking of trash, I guess in Wally they do rebuild society at the end of the movie. That's kind of a happy yeah, ending. Yeah, it is. That's a very yeah. happy ending. People grow their bones back, I guess, yeah. <laughs> apparently. Oh, I don't know what happened. 
Um, I think that just about does it. I, this was great. We had some wine. Talked a lot about Forky, um, which is fine. Unexpected. That's great. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, this was good. Trash God. Trash God. You stand a trash God. Okay. Um, thank you guys for coming on. This was fun. Thanks for having us. Thank you this so much, really Will. One hundred percent. And then you guys, uh, if you want to read more about Esther and Emma's Pixar opinions, uh, the revamped, redone best Pixar movies of all time list ranking will be up on Thrillist.com. It's here. Yeah. Woohoo! Google it. Esther, where can people find you on the interweb? Um, they can find me on Twitter, where I spend far too much time at EZ, as in my initials, EZ Writes. Emma? Uh, and y'all can find me on Twitter as well, at Stefabski. It's my last name with one letter wrong. <laughs> Remove. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is really hard to describe your Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, because my last name is so strange anyway, and then you just make it stranger. Hey, if Pixar taught us anything... That's fine. Hey, yeah. very true. You're good. <laughs> uh, we'll have some polls up on Twitter, Instagram, and the site where you all can vote on your favorite Pixar movie. Hopefully your opinions align. Uh, but if not, that's fine too. Follow Thrillist on Instagram and Twitter at Thrillist and follow me personally on Instagram at that Thrillist guy. Thanks for listening. See you later. So everything you just heard is a group effort and none of it would have been possible without our amazing and talented team. Our executive producer on the Thrillist side helped us shape this content, Bison Messick. Big thanks. Over on the Group 9 side, we have Brett Kushner, David Zwick, and Emily Feld. They really tied the project together. Megan Kirsch and Ocean McAdams steer the ship over at Thrillist. They're my bosses. And our executive producer at iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hatakudor, really helped out too. Big thanks, Mangesh. Most importantly, thank you so much to my podcasting partner in crime, our producer, Molly Scholson. Thanks, Molly. Uh, we also want to thank Jeremy Schmidt for editing this episode and Ernie Indradot for mixing. Thanks to everyone. So if you liked what you heard, please rate us five stars across all platforms and share with your friends. It matters. Our jobs literally depend on it. <laughs>